0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland.
1: Only to men who will work hard enough to guard and advance that truth, who believe it's worth laboring over, analyzing, studying, sweating over it, who are themselves submitted to that truth and who are willing to go to jail for that truth. As he was in prison there when he wrote it and said, But the Word of God is not in prison. Yes as you're sitting there, there is a sense in which this application can be made for everyone in the church.
0: Perhaps one of the biggest tragedies we're facing in today's society is that people are afraid of challenges to their narratives. With more and more believers becoming aware of this reality, sharing the gospel with others can feel all the more intimidating. In today's message, Pastor Tom reflects on the passion, zeal, and regard for God's word that we as believers should have. In his study, you'll learn that without such a drive, sharing the gospel can feel like an uphill battle at best. Are you passionate for truth and God? Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 3, as he continues his message, The Peril of Untested Bible Teachers.
1: So James is not diminishing the importance of teaching. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He's showing that this office is so important and teaching is so influential, we have to make sure the right men get in. It's saying don't, don't approach the teaching Many, some people teach, for example, in, in the world, and they think because they teach in the world and they're, they're skilled at organizing their thoughts and they are good communicators that when they come to church, it's just sort of incumbent upon them to pick up the book and begin teaching with it. No. Don't become a teacher in a cavalier fashion. Many are not to rush into it. They must check their motives, check their giftedness, check their preparation, check their work habits. Are they lazy? They must understand the seriousness of the calling because the church of God has been called the pillar and the support of the truth. Well, who's going to be holding up that pillar but the teachers? Men contemplating teaching must be more concerned with their own personal fitness to stand before others and instruct than they are with the benefits of what people will say about someone who stands up front. There must be a commitment to be willing to be trained first and then evaluated and then only after that, instruct. Some will be ready to teach others. Many should not ever do it, not in a formal way anyway. It is a mistake to believe that every man in the church should become a leader and a teacher and an elder. Concerning ordination and full-time gospel work, the advice that we were given in seminary many times And I was glad the seminary did this because it showed they were willing to empty out students and they were not all about money, but they gave the advice several times. It was usually in the chapel. And they would say something like, if there's another profession that you think you're good at besides the gospel ministry and your heart would be content doing it, go do it now and don't don't become a preacher. We don't want those people in the full-time gospel ministry. Some are called, some are gifted, many, many are not. Unfortunately, this prohibition by James is still needed today. Many can't and don't handle the Word of God well. They want to teach, but they don't know how to handle the, the words of God in an accurate and a respectful manner. It is sad to see what weak teaching dominates pulpits today, what weak teaching, I'm not saying false, weak teaching controls the airwaves. What weak teaching fills the bookstores, and I guess now we have to say the blogospheres. Did I say that right? In some cases, they're not deep in Scripture, but they know very well how to arouse the public. They are not in it for promoting the doctrines of God they're going to take a little bit of the doctrines of God to sound just enough biblical, and now they're going to promote their own name and their own fame. Others clearly don't take time for preparation. You listen to their instruction, and it sounds very incomplete, shallow. And you think behind that, maybe some lazy study sessions. Often, after they're done teaching, there are too many hands that go up because what they said was too fuzzy. You can't figure out what they meant. Then there are others who know a lot. They're scholars in their field. They're brilliant men, but their lives are not consistent with what they teach. Others mean well. Their hearts might be in the right place, but they don't have the natural ability to communicate well God's Word. They don't organize their thoughts well. They're hard to listen to. People can't follow their teaching. This prohibition, broad and general as it is, puts a lid on all of that. In fact, I think this prohibition dovetails and fits very well 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, where Paul in his last appeal, his last of the 13 epistles is appealing to faithful Timothy, and he reminds him, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust, these truths entrust to who? To faithful men, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. They have to have skill. They have to have character. They have to have both. Find them, Timothy. This treasure is too important to give to anybody else. Pass on that deposit of doctrinal revelation only to faithful men, only to qualified men, only to what you'll figure out as you read the rest of the chapter, hardworking men, only to well-taught men. And it is men, by the way. That's a whole other sermon only to men who will work hard enough to guard and advance that truth, who believe it's worth laboring over, analyzing, studying, sweating over it, who are themselves submitted to that truth and who are willing to go to jail for that truth, as he was in prison there when he wrote it and said, but the word of God is not in prison. Yes, as you're sitting there, there is a sense in which this application can be made for everyone in the church. Everyone should be careful not to teach anyone anything at any time if you're not sure it's true. Sometimes you're asked for your opinion and tell them, I don't really know. My opinion is this. Why don't we go research it together and learn or ask someone? Much wiser, right? This isn't trying to stop you from cover up your mouth from encouraging with the Word of God. Just be careful with God's Word is the point. You talk to your children. Try to give it some thought. Give them a good answer. They're asking about Jesus Christ. Do you know who He is? Can you accurately explain who He is? They're asking about the Bible, the Word of God. They're asking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Other people need comfort. They need correction. But you have to make sure you don't correct them with your thoughts and your ideas, but with God's. This is not a problem just for liberal churches or neo-Orthodox churches or emergent churches, but for conservative churches who will sometimes step beyond the boundary of Scripture themselves and give prohibitions where God does not, and now you're giving your opinion and not God's. You should guard your lips too. Don't just pass on your advice. Well, what happened and worked for me is think about your words carefully. Don't blurt them out. Obviously, there are many Proverbs that speak of the wisdom, being careful with our words in all settings. But, of course, the church should guard carefully its teachers and propagate the good ones who are well-motivated, the best that we can tell, and properly matured. They don't have to be perfect. They never will be. You'll find something wrong in my life. You'll find something wrong in the life of every elder in this church, every teacher in this church. But they should at least be consistent and be sincere well, why? Why do we want to do this? Well, not only for the sake of the health of the church, but look, really, I haven't even got to what his reason is there in the second part of the verse. Look at it again. Knowing that, and this is the, the explanation. This is, uh, this is the explanation. Why should we restrict the, the Bible teachers? And the answer is because they will get a stricter judgment. They will get a stricter judgment, knowing that as teachers, as such, we... James includes himself, will incur a stricter judgment. He switches from the you to the we. James is a teacher also. James knows that a stricter judgment of his letter, a stricter judgment of his teaching is coming. He's well aware of that. He does not give this warning without including himself. This is not something where teachers can point the finger out. This is something where they realize that they have accountability I have accountability. Every teacher in every generation has accountability. Jesus Christ will hold every teacher accountable for what they say. And the teacher won't be able to say, but didn't you see how many people really liked my teaching and bought my book, Lord Jesus Christ? I got lots of positive feedback from people. They liked how I talked. I don't think the Lord's going to be all that impressed with that. James warns about stricter judgment. By the way, if you have the King James Version, it says uh, condemnation, but the Greek term krima it, it, it can be a neutral term, just meaning judgment, whether it means favorable or unfavorable, depends on the context, and here it's just talking about evaluation. It's used that way in a more neutral sense in John 9, 39, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, Hebrews 6, 2, and other locations. It's not that teachers are going to get a worse condemnation. That's not James's point. His point is they're going to get a stricter evaluation. Stricter literally is greater, megas, Larger or greater judgment is coming the way of the teachers than those who are the pupils. When it comes time for evaluation at the Bema Seat of Christ, everyone gets evaluated, teachers get evaluated, and a lot more. a more intense scrutiny of how they lived and what they said. True enough, there's going to be lots of present problems in the church and bad consequences for the church. If the wrong teachers are allowed to teach, there'll be problems now. But this is pointing to the future. This is a future judgment. On that judgment day, if it It takes so long for one person to stand up and give an account of his life to the Lord, it'll take the teacher 10 times longer to explain what he said and what that meant. And that's a fearful thing. I think I'm ready to quit. (laughs) I thought about this this week. I think about it many weeks, actually. You open up the Word of God, it would be an arrogant thing for a man to stand up here and tell everyone else what to believe. That's why I believe that the commitment to expository preaching is a commitment to humble your mind and preach only what God says. In other words, the point in the pulpit is not creativity. I can be creativity. I can be creative. I can have all kinds of interesting things. I used to teach fourth grade kids, and with them you have to be creative. But it's not about creativity, it's about faithfulness. Professor Montoya said our preaching professor in seminary. He said, you're not the chef. You're just the waiter who carries what the chef cooked up to the table. That's it. Just bring it and don't drop things along the way. Don't ruin it. God already prepared it. It's in the Word. Bring it and deliver it and let them eat the food. Second Corinthians 5.10, to give you a sense of fear, reverent fear, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that Each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Romans 14, 12. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Ladies, you know, when it says himself, it includes herself as well. But the teachers will be examined even more. Why? Well, Jesus said it best. Luke 12, 48. For from everyone who has been given much much will be what? Required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will be asked all the more. R. Kent Hughes says, increased responsibility means increased accountability. Teachers are entrusted with the gospel, and they are entrusted with the care of souls. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders. Let me read that one more time. Obey your leaders. And submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. You say, well, who's gonna hold them accountable? I haven't read the last part of the verse. As those who will give an account. God is serious about this. Remember Moses, great man of God, all the leadership of his people, and then he strikes the rock rather than talking to the rock. No biggie, right? But he did it in front of all the people, and he didn't honor God's name in front of them. For 40 years, they're traveling to the promised land. Does he get to enter? I ask you, did he get to enter? No. No. Does that tell you God's attitude about how teachers must behave up front? Paul sensed this seriousness. He wrote, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. He's talking about saved preachers in the church in 1 Corinthians 3 there. He says they'll be saved as through fire, but if their ministry wasn't truly biblical in the way it should have been, then everything that they built on top of that for the church, that will be burned up. Gone. Yeah, but do not you see how big the church got, and we did this, and we had that program, and I burned up, gone. He wrote and said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. This is his farewell address. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What a statement. What a statement. He was charged by God, you had better preach this gospel. And he stood up that hardworking apostle Bent over probably by this time in his life, he said, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I could tell you in my conscience I know that day and night I gave out the truth. He even goes on, he says, he writes, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. I didn't skip over the tough stuff in the Bible. You want to know how he thought? 1 Corinthians 4, he said, To me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. He qualifies what he means by that. For I am not conscious of anything against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And each man's praise will come to him from God. In 1 Thessalonians, he gave his manner. He said in chapter 2, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. We speak. What a statement, and we know that's true because that was in the Bible. Not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. Even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. He goes on to talk about his tender and gentle manner. Teachers will be both ethically and doctrinally evaluated by the Lord Jesus. Ethically, how we live is important to connect with how we teach. This is the most challenging of all since all of us sin. Back in James again, notice in verse 2, it says, for we all stumble in many ways. I'm kind of glad James wrote that because I, I, did he stumble? Does he struggle with his tongue? He said, yes. Sanctification is a long and grueling process. It has its joys and sorrows. It has its hills to climb. It has its lessons of pride to learn along the way, and teachers have to go through that too. And James knew it. And he knew he had had many losses to his flesh, battles lost to the flesh as well. But a teacher must live a life of faith and a life of obedience in front of others. Otherwise, how will they ever learn not to live by sight and disobedience? Doctrinally, we will be evaluated. Teachers must know and realize that what we say guides others. What we say has to be checked and rechecked. Only what is hammered out by proper hermeneutics, the science of interpretation, and biblical exegesis, that is, just carefully handling the syntax, grammar, and words of the text, only what someone has hammered out by that should they teach. Nothing new or novel should be allowed in the pulpit, allowed in the classroom, published. or back to that blogosphere where it seems to have the loosest lips of all teaching the tried and true historical doctrines of the faith, that's what we should do. Let the main things of the Bible be the main things of the Bible. Teachers must take time to master the Scriptures and not warp its message with their pet topics and projects. Otherwise, churches which let weak teachers teach Because they don't have the courage to confront those teachers. Look, you're not well prepared. I I want to honor you and I care about you, but you didn't prepare. And I've noticed this week after week after week, and they're too afraid to confront the teachers that are like that, and so they have weak teaching. What happens when a church has weak teaching year after year and that turns into the next generation? I'll tell you what happens. The weak teaching turns into false teaching because the people don't have any discernment to know what to do with it anymore. And you have one guy one week, and he teaches the gospel correctly but kind of mildly. Another guy comes in, and he tweaks it in a wrong way. It's now false, and the people don't know the difference because they're less discerning. And what Peter wrote happens, false prophets also arose among the people just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Dr. MacArthur writes, "...many teachers in the church today are poorly grounded in Scripture and ill-equipped to teach. Such teachers who misrepresent God's Word can do more spiritual and moral damage to God's people than a hundred atheists or secularists attacking from outside." That is why it is so foolish and spiritually dangerous to have newly converted celebrities or any other new convert as well as untrained and unaccountable preachers speaking and teaching. End quote. Dr. J. Adams says, there are people who break into print, who speak on radio broadcasts, who conduct seminars and meetings of every sort, "...who, heedless of James's warning, say whatever they happen to think, they spout forth the trendy ideas of the time, only to modify their views and substitute newer trends for them later on. That is not Christian teaching," he writes. "...Christian teaching recognizes a deposit of truth once for all delivered to the saints... While one may discover more and more about that deposit of truth and may refine his views as he continues to study the Bible, he will not jump from one theory of men to another over his lifetime to keep up with the trends. If there is anything true of biblical teaching, it is its lack of trendiness." End quote. Well, I was going to write many of the errors I have here that teachers do who are not careful with the word of God and I don't have time for that. Maybe we'll save that for another message. But there are some errors that you keep hearing over and over and over again and how they handle the word and how they haven't prepared and it'd be good to be trained in that as well. Concerning our lifestyles, leaders, I say this to myself first. It's very important that we're always evaluating our hearts. We're thinking that the preparation of my prayer time and my and your application of the Word of God is just as important as you're sitting in your seat long and hard to study the passage carefully. In fact, those two things tend to go together. The longer you sit your tail end in the chair and don't get up and read and reread and study, the more time the Holy Spirit has to work on your own heart, to change your own mind about things, and to prepare you better, not just intellectually, but spiritually, to see God, the Holy Spirit, work through the teaching of His Word and transform lives. Amen? And those of you that pray for us, pray in that regard. I know there's some, some of the ladies that are praying hard for the preaching of the church each Sunday. I know many of you do as well. Pray hard for Sundays and for your teachers, that they will be prepared, that the teaching of ministry of the church will go forth strongly, and God will be glorified.
0: Many of us would probably be quick to agree that if you're not passionate about something, it shows. Whether it's a hobby, sport, job, or otherwise, the best performances often come from passion. This is especially true when it comes to God's Word. As Pastor Tom taught you in his message today, a passion to share or teach God's Word must first come from a passion for the Word in and of itself. With sad, yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. In the book of James, we read that the tongue defiles the whole body and that it's likened to a fire that can cause all manners of destruction. As you've probably experienced in your own walk, it can be quite the task indeed to try and tame it. In Pastor Tom's next study, he'll be discussing ways in which we as believers can better manage our tongues so as to keep ourselves from setting unnecessary fires. To listen again to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word, so join us again right here on Discover Hope.